0: Tuesday on this April the 26th in the year of our Lord 2022. You're listening to Law and Gospel and on Tuesdays we like to take a look at the hymn assigned for this coming Sunday. I'm Tom Baker and Mark Smith is with us also and the hymn we're looking at is With High Delight, Let Us Unite. The hymn was written by George Vetter and was first published in 1566, uh, a year before Bedder's ordination uh, to the priesthood. And it was in a collection of hymns dedicated to the Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian II. Now, the original hymn was 13 stanzas long and kind of featured an acrostic with each of the 13 letters in the phrase Mediator Jesus, which was a reflection of Hebrews 9.15. He is the mediator of a new covenant. And the translator was a professor that I had at the seminary. Martin Franzman died in 1976. And his translation first appeared in the Missouri Synod's worship supplement, of 1969. Now, it's notable that he was very gifted and meticulous in translating Vedder's original rhyme theme, in which lines 1 and 2 rhyme, also 4 and 5, 7 and 8, 9 and 10, while lines 3, 6, and 11 also rhyme with one another. And therefore, you get the hymn scheme the rhyme scheme a a b c c b d d e e b and this hymn just so happens to be the hymn of the day for easter three in the three-year series and in the one-year series of readings it's easter four with high delight let us unite. Well, Pastor Smith, what do you think of this hymn?
1: I like it. It's good. It's too short. I don't know what happened to the other 10 stanzas. We only have yes. 3. And, and it's I know. Uh, it, it's a beautiful hymn, but it's just too too short. But uh hey, I give thanks for what give thanks for what Martin Frosman's uh given us. You know, I never had I I never was privileged to have Martin Frosman Frosman but I remember when he when he passed on, um, you know, everybody talked about how, you know, I think he had a, you know, he was a good theologian. It wasn't just a good hymn writer. He was an excellent theologian. And uh, I, I think he, let's see, wrote a, a commentary on Romans, I think.
0: Yes. I, in fact, I had his course on uh-huh. Romans. It's mm-hmm. 10 weeks long, and we got through chapter 5. Really? That's yeah, no, as no I I hate as we it.
1: <laughs> I I really I, I hate it that I never had the opportunity. I, I just missed him by a couple of years, you know. He and uh but I remember I think about my freshman or my first or second year there at the seminary they announced his death and and everybody raved about him and I I'm, I'm sure yeah, he, was he was a was wonderful He was
0: definitely orthodox and, and very very conservative mm-hmm. and spoke quite a bit against what some of the professors were teaching which was contrary to the word of God and led to the formation of Seminex and then Elka. They joined that and you know how bad that church is right now. Yeah. Well, God rest them So with high delight, let us unite. If you would read the first stanza. Certainly. With high
1: delight, let us unite in songs of great jubilation. Ye pure in heart, all bear your part. Sing, Jesus Christ, our salvation, to set us free forever. He is risen and sends to all earth's ends good news. For good news to save every nation.
0: Yes, it Man, is what's... marvelous
1: how it's marvelous how he how he. Uh, uh, the rhyme and the rhythm and it's, it's it's different. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. Um, you using it this Sunday? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. I think we're I leading do.
1: off with it. I think that's
0: what I chose. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's some good readings this Sunday. There's the uh, conversion of St. Paul, of course, and then Revelation and then Jesus at the Sea of Tiberias after his resurrection. Right. Which one are you preaching on? I'm going to preach on the gospel. Okay, that's Jesus at the Sea of Tiberias, yes. Right. Um, Are you bringing in another passage?
1: Oh, you mean uh, from, from the other lessons?
0: No. There's something about at Tiberias. It's a miracle, right? Oh. Uh, well,
1: what reminded uh, the disciples? What reminded the disciples is the fact that he said, uh, "Try fishing on the other side of the boat," and re- reminded them of an of another event, the miraculous uh, catch of fish. Yes. And and when I think it was was it I think it was John that said, "It's the Lord," and Peter right. throws on his outer garment, and he leaps into the water and swims to shore, and sure enough, it is Jesus.
0: Yes. And I would really bring in Luke chapter 5 on that which Luke is the first five. miracle because what does Peter say when he recognizes that Jesus is pretty important after that fish He says yeah
1: uh, depart Oh, depart from me, for I'm a, for I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. Right,
0: and look at the difference at in this case. Yeah, and I, I, I would say he this can't is the get, difference. He
1: can't get into the water fast enough to swim ashore. It's it's really you know you can you can envision it you can he just he just throws on his I don't understand you would think he'd take off his outer garment but he throws on his outer garment and he leaps in he can't he can't get to shore fast enough that that's the excitement that comes through in this in this reading.
0: Well, it, it sounds like uh, they had taken off when when they fish that he wanted to be clothed when he went to yeah. Jesus.
1: Yeah. So that's right, why I put right.
0: it on. But the point I'm making is look at the difference in his attitude. Yes. In the first miracle, depart from me. Yes. In the second miracle, he runs to Jesus. That's right. To Jesus. Yes. I, I talk about that's the distinction between a person living under the law right. versus living under the gospel. That's right. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. Yeah, that is, that is a good distinction. Yeah, it really is important. So if you're preaching on that, really try and bring that up, that uh, when he realizes that her sins have been forgiven, and that occurred at resurrection, remember, this is the third time that Jesus reveals himself to his disciples after his resurrection. Right. And what's interesting...
1: I believe this is the same instance, of course, you know, I've got to develop the sermon yet. I'm still working on it. But uh, I think this is the same instance when after the breakfast that Jesus serves them, um, it's then that Jesus asks Peter, (laughs) and he says, "Uh, Peter, do you love me? Yes. And he asks him that three times. You know, talk about, you know, here he... He He's not living under the law anymore, but he sure feels the law when Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And, of course, that reminds Peter of the fact that he denied him three times.
0: Now, there's something really important in those three times yeah. is Jesus uses different words for love. Right. The first two, he says agape, which is the highest form of love. Mm-hmm. Peter responds... You know, I phileo you. In other words, yeah. I've got brotherly love. Right. But he he, he can't say he's got agape. And yeah. then finally, it's the third time that Jesus says, Do you phileo me? Uh, do you love me as a, a brother? And this, in my mind, shows why part of the problem Peter had is that he knew that God agapes us. For God, so loved the world, that's the mm-hmm. word used there, but he was not that way,
1: yeah, well you know to what
0: keep in mind he, he he says he
1: finally says to Jesus, Lord, <laughs> thou knowest all things, you yes. know that I love you, <laughs> you know right. kind of in frustration, you know three times he's had to answer that question, you know thou yep. knowest all things, you know that I love you <laughs> feed my feed my sheep, he says, jesus,
0: yes. Okay, looking at stanza one, um, you've already mentioned the rhyming scheme and such. What do you see there that might be helpful in the sermon? Anything? With
1: high delight, let us unite in songs of great jubilation.
0: Now, that's actually a pickup from the Old Testament, um, where there is Isaiah 52, Jerusalem is told to break forth into singing. Uh, Jesus Christ is our salvation. Mm. So did, did Jesus ever sing? I don't recall.
1: I don't recall. The, I, I can't imagine he didn't okay. uh, it's at one let, time let or another, me... but I don't, I don't recall any place where it's recorded in the, in the New Testament that he sang.
0: Last week... I talked about that the reason you go to church is to remember about Jesus. Remember, the women were at the tomb, and the angel said, do you not remember when he told you I'm going to die and rise in three? And then it says, and then they remembered. In yeah. other words, now I'm going to help you remember, and you'll know right away that you, you knew this. After the Last Supper. Yes. And they, they were sang on their a way hymn. to Gethsemane. No, they me. sang a hymn <laughs>
1: and went out to Gethsemane. That is right. Who i it? I'm, I'm, I'm sure he led them in singing that hymn. Absolutely. Yes. I, I was thinking about that very instance,
0: right? Yes. So that's the reason we go to church. For example, I, I've written some uh, books and uh, one of them I was rereading. I, I wrote it about eight years ago. And um, I was rereading the prologue that I had written. And I said, boy, was that ever good. I had forgotten <laughs> some of the points I had made. <laughs> and so <laughs> theology is really the task of remembering what you've already been taught, and we keep forgetting it. And I, I said to the congregation, do you ever forget about Jesus? And, of course, most of them said, no, we don't forget. And I said, yes, you do. You do it every day. You sin by thought, word, and deed, and that is forgetting about the resurrection. Right. right. So that's why church is so important in Bible study and reading the Bible at home. Yes. That, there's another kick that I've been on that I just started two weeks ago. It's uh, St. Jesus Christ, Our Salvation. And it suddenly hit me that a proper sermon, as Jesus did on the road to Emmaus, is to really talk about Jesus and then what are the parts of his salvation. I call them the, the shuns of Jesus' life. And I've got four of them. His incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. Great. And that's all about his salvation for our redemption. So there's six times.
1: Incarnation, incarnation. um, The second one is his
0: crucifixion,
1: crucifixion, then his his resurrection, and his ascension. Yes, that's pretty good. That that covers a lot of it, if not all of it. That, that, that's good. You know that I like that. The his four
0: shuns. Yes, uh-huh. and that is also in the word salvation. Right. right. And it it is how it occurs our redemption. Yeah. How I, about? I'm trying to think. There's more shuns. How about <laughs> how about uh, how about creation? <laughs> oh he was
1: there he was the, their creation the word was there creation
0: that, that how about, that's really good in fact what do we call the resurrection uh not creation second, the but, second
1: crea- re, re- or recreation
0: yes recreation boy that's good now, i was how trying about, to think tom how about sanctification is he is
1: that entirely oh, holy spirit or do we attribute that to jesus too
0: it's because the Holy Spirit motivates us by loving Jesus. So there's no doubt. Well then, what's the other thing besides sanctification?
1: Justification.
0: <laughs>
1: Justification. Are we leaving is there anything we're leaving out?
0: Oh yes, I mean, I, I didn't even think of uh, creation, sanctification, or justification, and you brought those up, so there's bound to be other shuns, but every sermon Redemption. is going to touch on one of those. <laughs> Redemption. <laughs> yeah, I've already said that one. And okay. salvation. Yeah. So you can really, it'd be interesting to write a hymn on that. Oh, you could write a
1: whole series of sermons.
0: Oh, Every sermon has to touch on these items. Yeah. Can you can that's you imagine right. doing a sermon and not talking about justification or not talking about no, redemption? No, No, you haven't done the job
1: you haven't done the job of a of a Christian preacher if you don't touch on justification. Absolutely should be the heart and core of the sermon, right?
0: Yeah, there's uh, a theology going around uh in, in the country today that really is not very good it's called uh what is it woke theology oh boy yes we A won't woke get into theology that. yeah oh boy and um it's it's got elements in it that doesn't need jesus christ and it's really not part of the message of jesus christ so we'll, we'll see what's going to happen here but With high delight, let us unite. And as soon as I saw that word salvation, I said, I want to bring up these other shuns. And so thank you for those new ones. That's good. Now, the next line is interesting uh, to set us free. I I asked the question to the congregation, are you free from sin? And... Now, remember, I've been at this congregations for two years, interim pastor, and um, they've been hearing a lot about law and gospel. So what do you think most of them said when I asked, are you free from sin? I
1: think probably most of them wouldn't wouldn't raise their hand or answer, because they know you've got a <laughs> trick trick answer. <laughs> yes, and
0: I do. But what, what's the trick of this one? Uh, he has set us free, absolutely. And that was the answer I wanted, Yeah, which is wrong. Because <laughs> then I looked at them and I said, oh, so you don't sin anymore? Well, <laughs> I thought, word or deed? And I said, there is I'm a living, diff- Hey, Tom, I'm living under the gospel. You're
1: still under the law.
0: No, no, no. You're not set free from sin, even under the gospel. Remember, yeah. you have an old we daily
1: We daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment.
0: So what's the answer to my question? You're not set free from sin, but you're set free from your personal sin in the sense that you don't have any consequences eternally to pay for it. Okay. All right. So That's the big distinction I made. Yeah. And the reason you have to say that is there are so many people who realize they're not set free from sin, and therefore they think the way to heaven is by doing the opposite of sin, which would be obedience. And, of course, every religion in the world outside of Christianity, that's how you are saved, by yeah. obedience. Yeah, that in doesn't Christianity, kind of... that's not true. No, it's a free gift, a free gift. God yes. pronounces us forgiven. Exactly. So we're not free from sin, but we're set free from our personal sin in not having to pay the consequences. It's it's a distinction that I think can be very helpful. All right. That's the first verse. Well, I'll read the second. Okay. True, True God, he first from death has burst forth into life, all subduing his enemy, doth vanquished lie. His death has been death's undoing, and yours shall be like victory. O'er death and grave saith he who gave his life for us, life renewing. Now, there's some important points in this second verse. Uh, It's talking about being set free from sin and it really is on the basis of Hebrews 9.15 that he is the mediator of a new covenant. Now, if you're trying to explain to people the new covenant, how would you explain it as different than the old covenant?
1: The new covenant is he has done it all. Yes. He's done whatever, whatever was necessary for our salvation. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fall upon us. I mean, we we are unable uh, to keep the Old Covenant. And he showed that again and again throughout the Old Testament. The New Covenant is, it's all his doing.
0: By well grace. said. In fact, what word from the cross would you bring up there that it was all his work? It is okay. finished. Yes. Excellent. It is finished. Every other religion in the world thinks it's only partially finished because you now got to do your part. I I heard a preacher talk about John three sixteen. for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, he said, well, God's part was giving his son. Our part now is to make a decision to believe.
1: Yes. And, you know, that's, that's even, I think, maybe a misunderstanding of the parable of the lost son, where the son, hey, the son, repent, you know, people, people perceive it this way. Well, he's come to his senses, he's repented, and he's on his way home, and uh, God meets him halfway. That's not yes. it at all. God does everything. He sweet. He won't even let him. He won't even let the, the, the lost son give his spiel. He cuts him short. Said, "No way. Uh, he, he, everything is free. He he freely forgives him, sweeps him into his arms, kisses him, and uh, put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet, and uh, let's kill the fatted calf. So God's
0: robe. Yeah, right. That's right." Which we have on, which is the robe of righteousness. Robe of righteousness. That's what the right. son was doing was not coming in repentance, but in manipulation. Exactly. Uh, look, Dad, at least make me one of your best paying servants on the field, yeah. in yeah. the farm. And of course, we then hear the Pharisee, the oldest son. He's not too happy about it. No. So, what? What You're a right. difference. He- The younger son definitely would be singing this hymn. With high delight, I definitely unite with my father again because of what he has done. Yeah. All right. Stanza three, if you would read that. Okay. Let
1: praises ring, give thanks, and bring to Christ our Lord adoration. His honor speed by word and deed, to every land, every nation, so shall his love give us above, from misery and death set free, all joy and full consolation. There's another, there's another shun word, consolation.
0: Oh, yeah. Boy, all we have to do is read all the hymns. Yeah, it, it, it ends on that, too. Yes. Because that is how every sermon should end, not with, well, may we, therefore, or let us, yes. you know, I talk right. about the French, French salad endings, endings. Right. Yes. no, that should end with comfort, and consolation is that comfort, and that's how Franzman translates that, which is very good, uh, because it is... Uh, uh, See, it it rhymes. What does consolation rhyme with? Which word? Consolation. To every land, every nation. Nation. Every nation. Right. All joy and full consolation. So that's another shun, by the way nation (laughs) right (laughs) boy yeah i'm I'm got a series you got a series of 30 sermons there at least oh boy yes um yeah that's what i did on easter i said to the people well i have preached easter sermons 28 times and i said i always like to preach something new So, it takes a little while to figure something new after you've preached it 28 times. And I did come up with something new, and that was the women were perplexed. So, I used the Uh word perplexed about our lives, how we need not be perplexed if we realize Jesus rose from the dead. So, this is a good hymn, a lot to it. And I always like mentioning the hymns we do and say, by the way, did you know you just sang? What we're talking about in the sermon, <laughs> yeah, and then repeat the hymn. So, where's your church? It's uh, Saint
1: Paul's Lutheran Church of Wildwood, Missouri. It's out on on uh, Route 109.
0: And Great service, church. Service time.
1: Service time is at nine o'clock every Sunday. Nine o'clock with uh, a, a Sunday school and Bible class following that. Great people, wonderful church, wonderful congregation.
0: And a great pastor they have right now, too. Well, I'm very privileged to serve there. Well, they had a good pastor, a good friend of mine. You Steve bet. Okay. Thanks so very much, Pastor Smith. Um, tomorrow, we're going to be continuing with the book of Proverbs and give you some more insights into wisdom. Until then, God bless you.